0: Welcome to Talking Wyndham, your weekly insight into the people who make our city surprising, fascinating, vibrant and interesting. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.
1: G'day and welcome to another edition of the Talking Wyndham Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier. In this podcast, uh, we are bringing you uh, the stories of the people and the places and the events behind the City of Wyndham. Things that are happening in our city. You might be across uh, some of the uh, progress that's going on in the city, some of the works going on in the city, but most importantly, the people involved in this city. And one of the things we uh, talk about a lot in this podcast is the future of the uh, the city of uh, Werribee or the city of Wyndham, and uh, the people that are involved in that, of course, are our educators. So uh, in this episode, we thought we'd go to the principal from uh, one of the leading education uh, campuses uh, in the uh, in the city, and that, of course, is uh, Westbourne Grammar. And Meg Hanson is the principal there uh, to talk to her about a whole range of subjects uh, about uh, education and uh, schooling uh, in the uh, in the 2019 year, and of course into the 2020. Decade, uh, so fascinating. Uh, coming up now with uh, with Meg Hansen. Hope you enjoy it. All right, uh, Meg, tell us—is it that time of the year where you do get to put your feet up on the desk and relax, or is there a lot of still a hard a lot of work to be done?
0: Oh, uh, look, I wish it was that time of the year, but um, no, it certainly isn't in schools um, as we're busily finishing the year and children are anticipating. There is celebrations and the older children are perhaps anticipating exam results and so on. Um, and Year Twelves are anticipating their VCE results tomorrow. We are also uh, planning for the new year, so we do have a kind of a collision of tasks that occur at this time of year, making it really busy for us all.
1: Yeah, though I imagine the ex- anxiety around uh, that uh, those exam results and all those things, that would be mm. pretty high with everybody at the school too.
0: I, well, I, I guess it's obviously a time of anticipation for all of our students and they can, of course, be very worried one way or another, but the, the good thing is that they will get the results and I'm pretty sure most of the students will be quite happy with how they've done. Um, if they're not, we have enormous support for them to talk them through, um, perhaps if they're disappointed, and find options for them.
1: I think that's the uh, the, the thing that we've probably learnt in the last uh, five to ten years is it's not the end of the world if it's not the best result.
0: That's exactly right. And it's very hard on our young people, though. I, um, I do uh, accept, on their behalf, the pressure that they can feel about this. But I think more and more young people are understanding that although uh, it's a good thing to work as hard as you can um, during your school year and to do uh, the best that you can, there are also other options.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And we're starting to show them that they're there, which is which is a really important thing. Um, Correct. Yeah. In terms of looking back on, on 2019, has is, is there been any major changes? Uh, I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff in the press about NAPLAN and all that sort of thing. Has there been any major changes at the coalface in education that you've noticed in 2019?
0: Um, not in terms of things like NAPLAN and, um, you know, whether we should have an ATAR. Uh, what hasn't changed is the continued conversation about those things that we hear routinely and year after year, every time we have changes in government, both at federal level and state level, that also causes a lot more dialogue. I I think perhaps, though, the biggest change that I'm noticing at the coalface is not so much the change that might be driven by a different government agenda, that might be driven by various legislative agendas, but it's a change that's being driven by young people themselves. Right. So young people having... You know, a lot of confidence in becoming, uh, they're quite sophisticated in some ways. I think our young people in the sense, of course, of social media and, um, you know, saturated with information, they do have, um, access to a lot of, uh, new ideas. And I think they've really galvanized themselves around the environment this year, as we've seen in, in, um, the public sphere. Um, they're also starting to assert themselves around uh, what they might need in terms of their well-being and that might play itself out perhaps around notions of um, their right to their own sexuality, the um, being able to be very forthright about issues such as gender fluidity and so on. And all of these things, I think, whilst they might not seem big, um, they're certainly there and they're certainly, we do notice it in our schools.
1: It's clearly a challenge for school administrators uh, and, and principals like yourself to to work out uh, what the school, uh, I guess, uh, philosophy on those things is.
0: I guess for a school like ours, and I'm not trying to sound like Pollyanna or, or sound Um, is silly, but for a school like ours where we we run a school where the student voice is encouraged and it's encouraged in really quite practical ways. So once a week, for example, kids at our school have something we call circle time where they sit in their groups and they talk about issues that are important to them, just as an example. And our disposition is to maintain the community and our disposition is to listen to our children and to understand who they are, what it is that they need. And so we haven't found that, um, we haven't started a confronting thing in the sense that we feel as though we've not been able to respond to our children and support our children at all. Where perhaps it, it might feel a bit more confronting for some people is sometimes the ideas that our young people have can be very new ideas for adult ears. I guess in our profession though, we're pretty used to hearing okay. these these sorts of ideas
1: does that help them as a, because I mean one of the biggest things uh, for kids to come to grips with as much as anything else is peer group pressure. Does that break, yes. Does that kind of circle environment and that kind of talk environment does that break down the peer group pressure a bit more and and uh, help things like bullying and other issues that you have in those areas?
0: Yeah, look, it depends on the age of the children. And as you're aware, our school is goes from kindergarten to year twelve, so yep. it very much depends on the age of the children. And I guess a school like ours makes a, makes a conscious effort to actively support and help children with their social relationships. And we all know how difficult it can be to navigate those kinds of relationships as we're growing up, and indeed, when we're still adults. So we do try really hard. And I think the notion of peer pressure is an interesting one. And I wonder sometimes if it's not becoming almost an old-fashioned sort of notion, and it's being replaced by the, uh, the, the rather generationalist generation-less vision, in other words, ageless notion of, you know, the impact that social media is is having on everybody's lives. So we're dealing with a much bigger thing than just peer pressure now. You know, I think we're dealing with something in complex. So what we try and do with our kids is, is get them to see some of these bigger issues, get them to see what's worth worrying about. You know what is worth putting your energy into. What is worth thinking about at the same time as trying to help them navigate their way through some of the conflicts that can occur just by being human.
1: You uh, you brought up uh, what's uh, clearly the elephant in the room for uh, everybody with teenage kids and with young kids is mm-hmm. is social yeah. media. Social yeah. media has become such an issue and in so it's got so many great positive things about it and it's got so many really bad uh, destructive things about it how do mm. you find how do you find the balance uh, in the classroom in the in the schoolyard uh, and and with the uh, with the students you're dealing with
0: yeah look I guess I'll answer the question in this way um, and I'll come to the students in a minute if I might yeah. I I suspect that the adults have not understood how to manage it. And generally, adults in our world aren't understanding how to manage these issues. And of course, children can see that because in a way, you know, they're great mimics uh, and they watch us and learn from us. So I think that's actually our first uh, problem. Rather than it being the child's problem first, it's more it's the adult's problem. And it's every adult's problem. Whether you happen to be parents or not parents, um you know most of us are, are engaged in somewhere or another with groups of other adults and workplaces and so on it's played out on, on screens in front of children so then the next level down for children is um, we've not yet learned how to model best behavior for them for kids it we know we know it's not a good idea that they spend a lot of time on their screens we know that and yet somehow they are um you know we know that Social media can be incredibly destructive, um, yet somehow, you know, they're allowed to be connected to social media as it were. So the things that we see playing out in, in um, at school, uh, it's almost can feel like a little bit like having your finger in the dike. You're trying really hard to teach children um, sensible and proper and constructive ways to behave with one another. Mm. Um but you can't sort of manage the sort of the behemoth that is social media. Um, we try to educate our parents. We try to support them and help them. Um, you know, we try to put in front of children and everybody, um, you know, the, the effects of too much screen time, too much. Gaming too much media time, but it, it look it's a challenge. I think, but it should be a shared challenge for all
1: the adults oh, I, and in I don't, children's
0: lives. I mm. don't
1: don't think it should be your job as uh, mm. as educators uh, and as uh, teachers and principals yeah. and that to be the, uh, the, the 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 social media police. Mm. That's, that, ain't, that no, that, and of course, yeah, it's mm. not in your job description, really. I mean, it obviously will happen and uh, and will permeate uh, part of the of school course. yard, and that's expected. Yes. But yeah, you're right; it should it comes back to home. But
0: but, but, you know, if you're talking about people um, being unpleasant to other people, being nasty, you know, name-calling, bullying or whatever it is, you don't necessarily need to be using social media for that, That's of true. course, as we know. Yeah, yeah. But the problem with it is is that it becomes pervasive and it spreads. And because you're not in front of somebody, literally face-to-face, spouting whatever your anti-social thing is in front of them, you're sort of doing it as, as a bit of a... You could be, uh, you know, a bit of a desk warrior. You're doing it behind a phone, behind a screen. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really hard to teach children that it is the same thing. It, does, it doesn't matter uh, where you're saying it, but it is the fact that these things can be passed on so quickly to others that where it becomes terribly destructive.
1: Do you see it as a, as a, a what's going to become a very big issue for you in, in coming uh, coming years, dealing with it?
0: For schools, you mean, particularly? yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Um, look, we, we've got, of course, we've got our own infrastructure and systems in place. We, we can probably manage within our own environment, within our own physical school environment. We can we can manage to kind of block access, as it were, whilst they're at school to a lot of sites we might not like, to a lot yeah. of social media platforms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We can manage to do that. We can teach them uh, as in students. We can we can teach students, you know, how to use. This very powerful technology, constructively and for you know great use and learning, I think it's a bit of a different story though. As soon as they leave our school gates, unfortunately, yeah,
1: yeah mm. very true. Uh, and and it obviously it does present <laughs> enormous opportunities for learning and uh, and keeping up mm. with that side of it is is obviously uh, something that the the teachers and your staff have to contend with as well.
0: Yeah, look, we do, and the thing that's really interesting too about that is, as we know, there's an awful lot of information. So students don't really need to recall information Where If you want to know what's the capital of France, you can look it up. You know, what's one of the big rivers in Africa, you can look it up. So what it's doing is actually changing the way in what we teach and how we teach, which is it's no longer so much about that memory work, but it is about thinking work. It is still trying to say, well, okay, here is some information, but what are the big ideas? What are the issues? What are the things we might be trying to solve? Or what can we discover? And where might our curiosity take us? And how might we aggregate all of this ready knowledge that we can now have? How can we aggregate that into, you know, some really powerful learning into some really big ideas, if you like? And that's really interesting.
1: It's interesting, and it's challenging too, because uh, by of the course. time they by the time they get to ten or eleven or twelve, they've seen mm. everything on uh, on their phone <laughs> or their tablet or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, I've, I've seen all that stuff. What what can you teach me? It's keeping yeah. that keeping that curiosity and that interest. That obviously is a massive challenge for for you going forward.
0: Look, it is, but it, you know, it's amazing what children don't know, because as you know, most uh, of us are starting to to curate our own information. We curate our own news. We you know, curate all our own own interests, which is, and there's a lot that's been written about that narrowing of interest. But what we can do in schools is, is actually really good. We can say, okay, um, you know, I mentioned the issue of environment, for example. What What's an issue that you know of in the world that you're really interested in? Let's take you down a pathway of discovery about that. Let's give you a model for how to think. Let's give you a model for how to research and so on. And the kids love it. You'll be, They're amazed at what they find out.
1: And uh, I guess their, their presentation skills and their ability to present themselves and, and yeah. all that sort of the, – the, the, yep. the, what they have at their fingertips these days is fantastic for them.
0: I know. It is. Look, it really is. And, you know, you're constantly looking. I, I went to some presentations of learning of some of our very youngest and some of our, so you know, five- and six-year-olds, and then I was looking at a lot more sophisticated things that our 12-year-olds were doing, and they're all really quite amazing. They're all yeah. very confident in manipulating – the information they have in um, understanding how to do it and their presentation skills. Um, They speak with confidence, all that sort of stuff. And I kept
1: thinking what I might have been like at six years old. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. Meg, uh, there's a, there's a cynicism and a and a, you know a negativity about uh, the the kind of uh, young men and women that we're producing uh, these days uh, because they're on their phones all the time or they're you know mm-hmm, doing this mm-hmm. and doing that. All, all you ever read is the bad stuff. You must mm. see the good stuff. And 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 do you are you, are you kind of brightened by uh, and, and encouraged by what you see of uh, the Absolutely. young men and women coming through?
0: Absolutely. And look, I think I could say to you, all of my peers, my colleagues at school, I'm sure they would say the same thing, that the, the children are, are really beautiful. They offer, a lot, they offer a lot of hope. They still have, of course, their childlike qualities, those endearing, beautiful qualities. And they, they know, if we keep encouraging, they know how to laugh, they know how, how to have fun. You know, they get themselves involved in, in, in sport and music and so on. Uh, and are really, really lovely young people. I, I actually feel a lot of optimism, and I—I I would suspect my colleagues do too.
1: Although, I mean, that's obviously what keeps you in the uh, in the industry mm, and in the yeah. in, in the vocation. Because if you didn't feel that way, you would have probably left. How long have you been in the in the <laughs> uh, in the teaching profession?
0: Well, I've uh, been. This is—I'm going into my twentieth year as a principal of a school. Wow! And so I guess maybe. I'm trying to think how many years—fifteen or so years—as well. So what's that? Thirty-five years or so. And I imagine,
1: yeah. I imagine the technology is the is the area that's changed the most.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you know, everything's so instant. I mean, it's made all of our lives incredibly busy, and schools are no different. Yeah. It's just instant, instant, instant. And of course, um, you know, the investment uh, in technology is has to be considered carefully because it's got you know significant costs attached to us and we're very well aware that it'll be succeeded in five years. Think about the phone you've got now
1: yeah.
0: and the phone you might have used five years ago and you can't believe that five years ago, uh, that now seems quite old.
1: And I would imagine, and you would know this as the principle, that, uh, that schools now are big business.
0: Yes. Uh, you know, I think um, when you say big business, I, I, I think they're managing a lot of responsibility in the same way that we might think of a traditional for profit business not for profits like schools and any other not for profit now uh, it's been recognised of course in the community that you know we're managing quite complex interests as well we might not be managing to make a profit we, that might not be our purpose yeah. but nevertheless we are managing great complexity and you know we've got layers of legislative compliance you know, like any other inter- any other human
1: enterprise, really. That's the uh, that's that's the other big thing that's changed the mm. uh, the level of bureaucracy involved in getting anything yes. done these days. <laughs> <laughs> whether whether it's a pothole in your in your street or uh, whatever it is, uh, <coughs> put, putting your child through school, it's uh, it, there's a lot of forms to fill in these days. Meg, appreciate mm. your time. Thank you so much. Uh, I know My you. Pleasure. I, I know you get a, a, a nice holiday. Uh, you, you will you get a chance to actually uh, sort of you know catch your breath and uh, think about uh, nothing but. Uh, but do you know what you want to do rather than uh, planning for you know 1500 kids in a school
0: oh yes look at look, it'll, it'll be lovely i'll have a couple of weeks off over christmas like many of us which will be really pleasant um, you know get back in the new year and have time when i'm back at work to actually sit and think and do some do some planning and i always look forward to that time of year it's lovely
1: well have a merry christmas and a happy new year and thank you so much for spending some time with us on the talking window podcast we really do appreciate it
0: that's a pleasure bye for now
1: Some great insights into what's going on in our schools uh, with the Principal there of Westbourne Grammar, Meg Hanson. Thank her so much for her time. And I hope you enjoyed this uh, edition of the Talking Wyndham podcast. There's plenty more. Check them out on Wooshka. Check them out on the uh, Committee for Wyndham uh, Facebook page. And you might be able to go back and have a look at uh, some of the uh, award-winning people we've had on this podcast who have been celebrated uh, with the, the work that they're doing around the uh, the City of Wyndham. I hope you enjoyed this edition. Uh, plenty more to come. Talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening. Talking Wyndham is an initiative of the Committee for Wyndham. All the latest news and events are on our website and Facebook page.